We Wear the Ring, Episode 4, A Winning Week. Welcome back, Duquesne fans, to another episode of We Wear the Ring. This is a podcast about Duquesne sports and the people who love them. Today, we're going to run through our news first, which, of course, would be the recent game uh, for the women's basketball team, as well as the two recent games for the men, uh, and a little bit about the football team as well. Then we'll move on to our feature topic, which is about the surprises for the Duquesne men's basketball team so far. Joining me today, as he does every single week, is my co-host Steve. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm I'm I was bad, then I was good. Uh, that was mostly about watching the Longwood game today. Yeah, that was a crazy one, wasn't it? It really was. I'm sure we're gonna talk a whole lot about that uh, in just a minute here. But no, overall, a, a pretty nice day. Yeah, and a winning week. Definitely. It definitely, uh, you know, last week we said, you know, you can't win them all. And of course, just the women's team had won. Uh, and now this week we have everybody, everybody won uh, every game that they played. So that's pretty awesome. Well, let's start it off then, Steve, with the women's basketball against Penn State. You know, uh, Penn State maybe doesn't have the standing that they used to, but I got it. I mean, a win versus a power five conference is always good. Yeah, it's um, I, I think at the worst, this is going to go down as a tier two win for them. Uh, I mean, going on the road, beating a team that's really profiles to be in the top 75 RPI. Um, I, I do think that people are expecting the Penn State team to maybe perform a little better than they have so far. But they're going to face some really, really stiff competition in the Big Ten. And that's by their strength of schedule alone. That's going to boost their RPI, which is going to make this win look a lot better down the road. Agreed. And I think one of the most important items from that game has got to be the return of Connor Richardson. Uh, you know, she only had a couple of minutes, but geez, intangibles, right? I mean, that has to feel good for the team just having her back in uniform, ready to go. Yeah, she's a crucial part of their defense moving forward. And I think having her around is going to spur on uh, really everybody. I mean, all uh, everything should work better with her around. So, I mean, she's definitely not the star of the team but she's one of those blue players that really kind of keeps it together and is going to help them get to the next level that they need to get to she absolutely will i mean her defensive prowess is i mean it just can't be understated and it's a presence that the team's going to need uh and i think they played a pretty good defensive game against penn state so maybe just having her there in uniform ready to go when needed uh is is enough of a shot in the arm from a defensive standpoint for the team i mean obviously better for her on the court uh, better to have her there for the majority of minutes, but still. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Um, and the nice thing about this game, too, is last week we had talked a little bit about how I'd like to see some uh, more diversity and some different players step up, and I think we saw that this past week. I mean, um, Voinovich was uh, excellent at the top, um, you know, uh, and really there were a number of other players that kind of picked her up and uh, and, and sort of, filled in I, I think it was a an excellent team effort all around that that really sort of carried them it really was and I have to point out once again uh, we talked about her last week but Amanda Kalen with another excellent sure. performance uh is she slotting to be a starter next year I mean I think it's possible I, I don't so see any reason why there's going to be some turnover on this team so I, I mean I think there is a very realistic chance of that happening but hey let's get through this season because I think there's 
things are looking up right now, and I think there's a lot of great things to come. Uh, they sure are. They sure are. But it's good to see a guard like that uh, showing so much when you have, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Chastity Amagrasa is going to be graduating, sure. uh, Juliana as well. Sure. Um, you know, a couple seniors in the guard corps. So it's good to have somebody like Amanda stepping up, showing so much early on in this young season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the ladies will return to action on 12-12 where they will play. I'm going to creatively edit something in here as I double check the schedule. Do, 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 do. The University of Central Florida. So looking forward to seeing what happens at AJ Palumbo on Wednesday. So uh, we had a couple of games for the men. Uh, first, they played against Marshall. And uh, boy, it was good to see Mike Lewis finally pop off. Yeah, I mean, that was the first thing that I noticed. I, I mean, I don't know if he was the best player in the game, but it was nice to see him really get into a rhythm, especially in the first half. I mean, he sort of single-handedly created the separation that we saw um, them build sort of middle of middle middle end of the first half, you know. So uh, he was a very crucial player at a very crucial point in that game. Absolutely. As you say, he was crucial in that separation, which was very important because Marshall did not want to fade away. They were very pesky in the second half. Uh, the Dukes were always able to answer, but Marshall was not letting them get away with it easy. No, I mean, Marshall's a really good team. I mean, I made the argument for a little while that I thought that Marshall was the best team they faced so far. I've sort of backed off that, and I feel like, you know, Notre Dame was probably a little bit better. But this wasn't a chump team that they no. that they beat by a, a decent margin. I mean, this is a good basketball team. And, I mean, you know, they're going to do some things in Conference USA. I mean, I sort of peg them as a borderline NIT team coming into the season. I... I Still think they could maybe get there if they really kind of crush and get on a roll. I mean, I think they have the players to do so. I mean, you know, led by John Elmore, who, you know, sincere carry, you know, almost single-handedly shut down from the floor. I mean, it was tremendous defensive effort against a guy who a lot of people think could play in the NBA one day. Yeah, and Carey was great all around. I mean, yeah. seven assists, once again, 19 points to back that up. Uh, he's just responsible for a lot of scoring from the floor. Yeah, he really goes off, doesn't he? <laughs> My gosh, he does. Uh, I got to say, what impresses me is, once again, you know, it's not just the assists that he gets or, or even the steals. You expect some of those things out of a talented point guard. It's also the rebounds that he fights for. Yeah, he might go triple-double at some point with rebounds. I, I mean, I know that sounds pretty wild to to think but i mean he's gotten he's at least flirted with it a, a couple of times this season already you know I, I mean i think his total stat line i think he was 19 7 and 5 this past game i know he's gotten more rebounds in games um but you know that was um you know there was a good effort there's a really good effort and i feel like he got some crucial rebounds again at crucial times you know where he you know he just sort of come flying into the picture and just get a get the board um when maybe somebody else was out of position or you know like I said it, it's it's always good to have your point guard run the uh grab the rebound because they turn right around and and start the offense um start on the break yeah, absolutely. Absolutely important. Uh, then, of course, the men played against Longwood today as we record this. Now, the, uh, Steve, there are two ways to look at the Longwood game. The The first could be, well, why was the first half so awful? Or I guess, why was the first, boy, like 
30 minutes so awful uh, or while wow, we won this is a game that no maybe no Duquesne team of the last 25 years would have won yeah I don't think there's many Duquesne teams of the last 20 years that could place for seven minutes and win a basketball game against anybody in the country um yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I mean, they they did some good things, you know, early. I think Lamar Norman uh, Jr. was solid all the way through the game. I, I think Frankie Hughes had an excellent first half, and that really kind of helped keep them in in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was a it was a real struggle for thirty three minutes. I mean, you know, not a lot was going their way. It it really wasn't. But then that turnaround, my goodness. Uh, I mean, on the score sheet. You gotta. I mean, Eric Williams had a lot of the crucial baskets there, but Tavian Dunn Martin came down with a lot of those very, very important assists. Sure. And then, if I'm not mistaken, he shot a three from maybe like all the way over at PPG, even though we were playing at Palumbo. I think he drained a three from like three blocks away that really just extended the lead and made me think, oh my god, this is gonna happen. He hit a lot of free throw shots too. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you know, coming into the night, he was six for six from the line. I think he went eight for eight today. So he did. That puts him if 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 my simple elementary school arithmetic is correct, he's at fourteen for fourteen for a hundred percent on the season. That's pretty awesome. I mean, we've seen some pretty dismal free throw shooters come through uh, recently, even at the guard position. So for him to start his Duquesne career with that level of free throw shooting makes a really great first impression. It, it does, you know, and, and I think with Carrie as well, when either of them have gotten to the line, uh, they've been doing pretty well draining those. I mean, free throws aren't free, sure. but you know, you got to earn them there. And, and it's so vital because, you know, that's where Dunn Martin got most of his opportunities today. I mean, he, the only basket he actually scored from the field was that three. I think it was a very important three, but that was it. Everything else was free throw. Yeah. Um, but those assists that he got were just so key. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, players like him make his their teammates better. Um, you know, and, and he's had some rough games so far this year. I mean, it's it hasn't been all smooth sailing for him. But when he's been on, he's been, you know, it, they really do have a two-headed monster at the point when he's playing with sincere carry, and they're both, you know, on their game. You know, it's it's going to be tough to defend those two. And again, TDM is a bench player at the end of the day. He's not your primary go-to, um, you know. So to have that level of depth, that kind of a caliber of a player, in case Mike Lewis is having a rough day, in case sincere carry is having a bad day, you know, to have him at your disposal is is pretty amazing. What I like the best, though, about his play is that generally when we've seen him go off, it's been mostly like some of the perimeter shots, especially that he's just drained and drained and drained. Uh, today, he did it primarily from the foul line and through assists. And that's what I think I like the best. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Eric Will or yeah. Eric Williams, uh, junior yeah, that guy. performance as well. Yeah, he he um he did fine. Wow. So um, this is all right. He was okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, another yeah. double double. You know, I mean, <laughs> is that you know, all? It's just kind of what he does. You know, his double doubles <laughs> all day. So seven offensive rebounds. I mean, that's pretty nuts. Uh, you know, and 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 a lot of those led to more points. Uh, you know, he's just a beast. I, I mean, there's really no other way to describe him. I mean, he's becoming. I mean, I don't know. Never mind. Forget becoming. He is a star at this point. I mean, you know, he's uh, 
I, I don't know if I like them playing games with him coming off the bench. I mean, I'd rather just, you know, uh, run him out there. I mean, you know, if Carey's going to play 35 minutes a game, I think William should as well. I think he's that important. So... I, I mean, I don't even know what to say about Williams. He's fantastic. He may be my favorite player on the team. Uh, he plays with a lot of heart. You see it over and over and over again. You've see, you saw that from him last year, too, I think. Um, but this year, he's really starting to put it on on the score sheet as well. Last year, he did, too, but maybe not as consistently. This year, I think he's really just found his stride and is just playing up to it every game. Yeah, and I think it's a, an an. an improvement in efficiency as well you know I mean he is not playing as many minutes as he was last year so I mean and he's getting as much if not more done while he's on the court so it means that the performances have improved um, even if they don't necessarily look as improved on paper you know I think that's fair I, I think you really have to look at those little pieces you know, let's make an analogy with hockey. I'm a big hockey fan. Fleury was always a very uh, impressive goalie, and he made a lot of highlight reel saves. The problem was that he made a lot of those highlight reel saves because he'd be out of position, sure. and he'd use his spectacular athleticism to get into position and make these crazy saves. But that's why he also had trouble with soft goals or rebound control or whatever else. So they brought in coaching, they get into a sports psychologist, and what happens? Now he's more technically proficient, so he doesn't have to rely on that athleticism to like just will himself into uh -huh. position he he and his numbers improved but his highlight real save like occurrence went down and i think it's that same kind of thing for williams he's playing a little more technically sound and uh i think that's resulting as you say in the you know the efficiency and everything else yeah i mean he's come a long way i mean you know yeah physically he's come a long way i think you know in experience he's come a long way i mean he's a he's an old junior at this point because he played so much as a freshman he's going to have mm -hmm. a lot more experience than your average junior is going to have um we haven't even talked about michael hughes not being in the game today and, and the impact that had no we didn't uh so yeah well michael hughes was not in the game today steve why don't you talk about the impact that had <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean to uh to to throw that one at you and yeah but, no yeah, so he no, tweaked I mean, in, he tweaked me in practice um yeah. you know and and i really um i'm i you know obviously missing your number one center um is always an issue um you know, it really sort of threw the team in disarray in the first half. I mean, they just, you know, it was um, it was as if they just abandoned trying to get two-point baskets. And, you know, they, they really just sort of relied on the three-pointer, and the three-pointer was not falling, which really, I think, allowed Longwood to extend that lead. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was a, a huge issue. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems... Maybe not strange to me, but, you know, maybe a little strange with the depth that they have at every single position that when one person comes out of the rotation, that it just seems to throw everything for a loop. And it's just not quite right. Um, you know, again, we, we saw it with Mark, Marcus Weathers uh, at the City game. We're seeing it again today with Michael Hughes. You know, both of those guys, you know, I mean, more so um, Hughes actually has a a backup, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got Kelly, you have Austin Rotroff that can sort of step into that position, maybe not perform at the same level, but there's bodies there, but just for some reason, just didn't quite fit together today. 
No, and, you know, once again, uh, Amari Kelly, I thought, by the way, played a lot better under control against Marshall uh, with his minutes, though, sure. again, today he fouls out, um, which, you know, Kelly, I, th- I really think that once Kelly can get himself just a little more under control, and, you, you know, you expect that from a young guy, especially sure. playing the post, that's just, that's just what it is. But uh, I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to offer once he uh, once he shores that up. But um, it, yeah, I, I don't know what you can say. I, I think there's, I guess what it comes down to is that uh, Hughes does have, I guess, the most experience um, at that position. Uh, the Dukes have some height, but they don't have a lot of experienced height. Uh, I wouldn't say Hughes has a plethora of experience, but I would say relative to the others on the team, perhaps. Yeah, I, no question. I mean, um, and and I definitely want to talk more about Michael Hughes in our segment later on, but uh, I, I agree with all of those points. Yeah. Well, uh, regardless, they won, and it was yeah. pretty, pretty spectacular. Uh, I, I mean, I had to um, I had to stop listening for a little bit. I needed a low blood pressure day for various reasons. So uh, I, I do admit I had to shut it off for a little while. Uh, but when I came back, I was loving it the whole way through. Uh, regardless of that, the Dukes will be back in action on the 13th against Maryland Eastern Shore at Palumbo. And we're looking forward to that. Uh, let's move on really quick, Steve, to college football. Uh, we have some various Dukes up for rewards, but uh, we have the Coach of the Year, for, or uh, Schmidt. Well, the FCS Coach of the Year, let's qualify that. But nonetheless, uh, FCF still comprises quite a lot of teams. You know, I was critical of Schmidt at times over the years, but uh, I got to say I take it all back. Every last word, right? <laughs> yes, uh, to be quite honest, yeah. There were definitely some, I, I don't want to say eyebrow-raising moments, maybe as he was early on in his career. Um, but, I mean, I, I do feel as though he's gotten better in the role over time. And part of that might just be that his recruitment has steadily improved over time so talented players have a tendency to make coaches look a heck of a lot better than they actually are or maybe better stated they just make them look better um and he's got much better players around him i think now than maybe he did the last time we were doing these i think that's true i i mean he he did inherit a team of Mac players, and I yeah. like to add that extra A in there because it just sounds so ridiculous. The crappy uh, he did inherit... Mac is what I like to call it. <laughs> uh, also, <laughs> also accurate. Uh, he inherited a team full of Mac players that you know. I mean, as as well as those teams did in that conference. Let's also consider the competition and the fact that nearly every single one of them uh, folded up football eventually. Uh, I mean, that's just the kind of league that it was. It was non-scholarship ball. Mm-hmm. He was trying to convert a roster like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think the early success that he had was maybe in spite of some of those players uh, rather than because of them. And, um, you know, that can't have been the easiest thing to do to transition the program. But uh, looking at the last season, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can argue with anything. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think now – and if with hindsight being 2020, maybe some of that criticism was a little unfair. Yeah, I mean, you know, you start winning championships and everything feels a lot better, especially the outright versions of those championships. Well, I can't argue with that. Any young team is going to surprise you. 
All of the lessons that they learn are going to often come from mistakes that they make at some point, some of them perhaps a bit painful, and the amazing things that they do are going to come from the unknown ceiling on what they're capable of when they're new both as a team and in some cases new to the college game. Uh, today we've gathered each three things about the Dukes men's team that have surprised us thus far. Uh, we made our list separately, so we'll see if we have any crossover. Uh, spoiler, it doesn't look like we will. So, uh, Steve, let's start with you. What's one thing that has surprised you greatly about this team so far? So, I think the biggest thing that has surprised me so far has been the impact of Michael Hughes and just how good he's been as a redshirt sophomore who really didn't play much as a freshman. Uh, he's really come in and, and looked like he's a true junior that has, you know, <laughs> been been playing minutes and big-time minutes you know, for the past three years, uh, he's just taken over games at times, you know, granted, he's definitely had his moments where he's made considerable mistakes, but at the same time, though, you're going to have that when you actually look at where his true standing is, where his true experience actually is. The fact that he's been as good as he is, is incredibly exciting for me. And, and really, I think says a lot for where the future can go for him. You know, I have to agree. He's he scored in double figures in all games except for one. Uh, I mean, that's that alone is is pretty impressive for a guy who doesn't have the experience, as you discussed. Um, you know, it's a it's a critical position for Duquesne, uh, where they don't have a lot of experience, like we talked about earlier. And uh, he's making a lot out of his minutes. Yeah, and there's intangible things there too. He's hungry. He's a competitor. Um, you know, gritty. You know, all of those things. On top of that, I think he's got a you know, if you've heard any of his post-game interviews so far, I think he might have a future in broadcasting uh, down the road. Just a really, uh, really sharp kid on top of everything, too. So, uh, you know, got a lot of things going for him. I'm very excited to see where things go. I think when you hear him talk, it's clear what Dambrot likes about him. It's clear why uh, he's somebody who, uh, you know, Dambrot wanted to follow him from Akron. Uh, I, I think all of that is just, yeah, you, when you listen to him talk, I mean, the, the insight that he offers into the game, um, it's clear it's clear how much he learns from Dan Brott, too, because you hear some of the same sort of, like, not coach speak, but mm -hmm. just the same sort of anal analytical things that, that Dan Brott will talk about in his interviews as well. You know, it, it's clear Hughes internalizes that. Yeah, and that's that really is, is, is a great sign as far as the coach goes. You know, it really means that he's getting buy-in from his players. So um, that's a great thing. I mean, I, I've never really thought too much about it. But, you know, when you hear it, it means the message is getting across. Definitely. Well, Steve, uh, one of the ones I wanted to bring up was probably the opponent's scores. You know, uh, Coach Dambrot is big on defense. Um, I, I think we haven't really seen that manifest uh, to the extent we would have liked that being said, I, I kind of wonder how much of that is due to the tendency of this team to turn over the ball. Um, you know, it was a, it was minimized a bit today, still 13. Uh, decent amount of turnovers against Marshall, uh, but uh, the Dukes still managed to, to pull that out. Um, but I, I think opponent scores have just been a little bit higher than you would, th than you would expect uh, from a coach who brings a decent defensive mindset. Yeah, the turnovers are probably causing an, a couple of extra possessions in every single game. So that's going to naturally add to the point total. You know, I think 
we expected some chemistry issues coming into this season, and I don't think we've seen the chemistry issues as much as uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I think there's some good flow on the offense. You know, turnovers aside, um, you know, teammates are still finding teammates. They still have a very good assist-to-field goal ratio. Um, but I still don't know if they're really in a flow yet on defense. And we've seen some really, really good sets and stretches, but, you know, we haven't seen that, you know, 30, even 35-minute effort in a game where they're just on it and locked in for, you know, the bulk of of, of an outing. You know, and I think that brings up a good point. Uh, a lot of people talked about the chemistry of the team with Sincere Carey dishing the ball. Like, he saw where it needed to go before the player who was supposed to get the ball even realized, and maybe sometimes that resulted in some unforced errors. But I think it's this, it is the same kind of thing on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you don't quite have a feel yet for where your teammate's going to be or how you're going to... Uh, um, uh, what, what adjustments you're going to make after setting a pick or other things mm-hmm. like that because you don't have a perfect feel for one another. And a lot of that's harder than uh, just figuring out where where's the ball going to go or where's the ball coming from on offense. And so we've seen some of those issues on defense where, you know, players are switching on, on screens where they don't have to, where they're not rotating back um, to uh, – or, or switching back when they have the opportunity. They're missing their rotation. Um, help defense is arriving too late. They're helping when they don't have to. You know, they need to learn the the other tendencies, the other players on the team. Um, know when a guy's got it by themselves. Know when a, a, a guy is, you know, going to be able to stay with his man even though there is a screen. Um, you know, all things considered, there's definitely a lot of gelling that needs to happen there. And, and, these are man defense issues and if they're going to play man defense all the time they need to get around these things in order to really get to where they need to be uh, in terms of chemistry on defense and I think they'll get there but it's going to take some time I think they will man defense isn't an easy defense to learn um, I, there's a lot that goes into it and uh, it's definitely the preferred style for uh, coach Dambrot so uh, Dambrot Dambrot Dambrotwurst whatever it's definitely the preferred style for Coach Dambrett. Uh, so that's what we're going to see, and I think it's just going to be a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, what else What what else do you have, Steve? All right, so the second one that I have is the Mike Lewis, the second's early struggles. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you caught the, the post game after the Marshall game, but, you know, he does mention that, you know, his roles changed and that, you know, his, uh, the way that defenses approach him has changed. Uh, he's not used to being open. Um, you know, he's used to having some pressure applied to him. Uh, and, and the reality of it is, is, you know, all of those things might be messing with him at this point. Um, but that said, I, I really did expect him to perform pretty well with the space. Um, you know, but I, I guess there's the mental aspects of the game that he needs to, to get his brain around. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it was definitely nice to see him get jump started in Marshall. He kind of struggled again today. Um, I don't even think he played double digit minutes this afternoon. He did not. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I, I it's going to be up and down for him this year. The talent is there. I, I mean, and, and when I think I said it last week, when he starts dropping shots, they're going to keep dropping. Um, and, and I do think that he's going to be valuable and impactful this season. But, you know, 
it's just just got to figure out his new role. He's got to figure out the flow of 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 the game in his new role. I, I think that's it. I mean, Lewis has generally had to be the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even as a freshman, he he kind of had to be the guy because there weren't other guards uh, that were able to do. Um, what he, what he was doing, I mean, certainly, I mean, he had some help last year from uh, Castro Kennedy and stuff like that, but but nonetheless, I mean, he was the guy, and now that there are other guards, he has to figure out where where do I fit into this? What what can I do with this space? I mean, when when you do have space, there's a whole different world of positioning and everything else that you have to consider, and that's something he's got to find and adjust to as well. I mean, it's not just a question of I have space now; it's also how do I effectively use this. Space? Base. And I think he's still learning that. Yeah, and I think that he's kind of facing a new internal pressure. You know, before the internal pressure was on, you know, he needs to be the guy and he needs to perform for the team to be successful. And now the internal pressure is he needs to play and he needs to perform or he's going to play seven minutes a game or whatever it is that he played today um, because he wasn't effective. Um, so that's going to be a weird balance for him to, to, to work his way through as well is just knowing that if he isn't performing, that the minutes aren't going to come. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's a difficult thing to contend with for a player. Uh, you know, in a similar way, I got to talk about, uh, since you carry, uh, you know, point guard is a big role on any team. It's tough to carry the load as a freshman, but Man, he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, I don't know. This might be overstating it, but uh, probably, let's say, in the last maybe 20, 25 years, I think only TJ McConnell was better for the Dukes as a freshman point guard. I really can't argue with that at all. I, I mean, you know, they've had some pretty decent, you know, players at the point guard position. I don't think that's necessarily where they've failed over that amount of time or over that space, but... um you know, to have the level of impact that he has had, you know, is incredibly, you know, it is incredibly uh, important and it is also very surprising. I, I mean, I had heard some rumors about how good he was and how much he was going to play, but at the same time, you know, seeing is believing and he really has, um, you know, turned a corner and, and, and really done some great things so far this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all were like, wow, when uh, they announced his signing and the whole recruitment process and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, to really to really see it happen, you know, you can look up highlights and whatever else, but the highlight videos are what people want you to see. And of course, we know Damrat's track record of the kind of kids that he mm-hmm. finds and everything like that. But to, to put him there and have it work and have it work so quickly. Uh-huh. It's just really impressive and, and very surprising. You don't know what you're going to get out of a freshman in that role. Sure. And, and wow. And if you remember correctly, when he was signed, people were questioning whether or not he was a walk-on based on the nature of, uh, of, of him being a D2 recruit, you know, not having any offers anywhere else. I mean, I think he's already, I think he's earning his scholarship so far. You know, I, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, a little bit, you know. Yeah. And I think what really impresses me there is that it, 
Well, if he was doing this against the non-conference uh, schedule from last year, I think, sure. hey, this is great. Hopefully he learns and grows into it. He's doing this against some difficult teams this year, and the Dukes have been in some spots that have been very, very tough, and he's not letting that get to him. Now, granted, he didn't have his strongest performance of the season today by any means, but but nonetheless, um, he's, he's acting in pressure situations against opponents that have done things you know uh, opponents that were in tournament last year yeah, he almost single-handedly won the uic game you know mm -hmm. I, I gave him the you know in in my my post-game recap i gave him the player of the game against marshall again there's your 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 ncaa team from last year i mean he wasn't great against Pitt. he wasn't great against notre dame but again you know he he showed up versus marshall and, and he's been inconsistent I mean, there's really no way around that. But, you know, again, he's a freshman. He's not going to be perfect. Um, I, I will take the ups and downs if the ups are as good as – if the ups continue to be as good as they have been. Yeah, and don't forget Radford also uh, NCAA last year as well. Um, you know, they, they may have lost as the 16 seed, but they won their play-in game um, against LIU Brooklyn. So, yeah. Uh, but – Sincere has been a really, really good bright spot. Maybe a surprising one just because of, you know, the freshman factor. Uh, what do you have next, Steve? So my last one is uh, how lopsided the City game turned out. I really yeah. thought that was going to be a very competitive game. Uh, and the Dukes just kind of laid an egg. Um, you know, again, we talked a little before about Marcus Weathers being out of the game. And I think that really threw them for a loop that evening. But at the same time, I am blown away by how poorly they did. Uh, and it wasn't like Pitt played great. It wasn't like they had an excellent game. It was just, you know, just just didn't come together for Duquesne. There's just really no other way to say it. Um, just one of those games where you're just going to get blown out just because that's what the basketball gods want on a given evening. Well, I mean, the, the Dukes went like seven minutes in the second half without uh, without a point. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the first half was was pretty reasonable. I mean, they, they kept it they kept it tight. They were there. They were right there at the half. And then uh, I, I don't know what happened from there. I don't know what it was in the second half. I don't know if it was a question of an adjustment or uh, or, or what it could have been. But um, that really that really was the story was the second half. I mean, if you played the first half twice. Um, if that, if the first half was also the second half, you know, that's anybody's game, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the sort of game that I was expecting, you know, I mean, even if Pitt wins by six points, but I really was expecting this game to be played within two possessions, either direction. Like I think Duquesne could have won by two possessions. I think, you know, Pitt could have won by two possessions, but to get extended beyond that was definitely out of the range of outcomes that I expected for that evening mm -hmm. yeah I, I agree I, I think it was a surprise um we'll see what happens you know next year I, I kind of agree with the general sentiment I think Dan Brod said something like this and uh, others have said the same I mean Pitt's fine it's a barometer it's whatever but uh if we're gonna do anything there's a lot of there's a lot of other teams on the schedule uh, I, I think for years there has been a contingent of Duquesne fans who like we could probably win the national title game but if we lost to Pitt mm. it was a failure of a season yeah and I think that attitude has just been a little bit too pervasive and we kind of have to just get over it um it's it's another team in the city and that's fine it's another d1 program and that's fine uh but you know 
Duquesne was be a better team than Robert Morris was last year. I know they lost to Robert Morris. I don't care. Duquesne was a better team than them last year. Uh, the, the game is only so much of a, uh, of a of a real measuring stick to anything. I mean, because what did Pitt do the next game? They laid an egg against Niagara. Big time. What did Duquesne do? They, they, they beat Marshall, a, pre, a prior year NCAA team. So, like, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. No, and, and I think we'll still – there's still some games to be played – you know, Duquesne may turn out to be the better team. Um, I think Pitt's really going to struggle in the ACC. I mean, you know, again, they've they've played some really, really weak opponents so far. Uh, their schedule's been considerably softer than Duquesne so far. Not as soft as the Duke schedule last non-conference season, but it has been littered with some pretty bad teams. Um, but, you know, they'll... Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have their comeuppance in the ACC, that's for sure. So, uh, Most likely. And for the Dukes, I think it's the Atlantic 10 they've got to get ready for, of course. Um, not to mention the rest of the non-conference. We still have folks like Penn State that come. Um, I, I guess my last surprise has got to be uh, today's game against Longwood. I mean, oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know what was more surprising about it, whether it was the just really the limp way that they came out or the way that they... Um, overcame whatever was in their head, whatever had been stuck in their craw, and just turned the whole thing around. Um, I, I, it was unbelievable to watch that unfold. And, you know, I, I, I don't say lightly, and I said it before too, there's no Duquesne team in the last 25 years that wins that game. And moreover, I think we can all remember times when Duquesne was on the Longwood side where we had oh, yeah. a big lead and we just frittered it away little by little by little. And uh, in both cases, uh, the Dukes did not let that happen to them today. They said, hey, we got to fix this. We got to do this and we got to do it now. And, and to the uh, you know to his credit, Eric Williams was a big part of uh, taking, that, taking the ball and saying, I'm going to get this done. I got this. I got you guys. And then, of course, uh, TDM with the, uh, the assists to help make it happen. Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was like they flipped a switch with seven minutes left, and you know, I I, I mean, the, the easiest way to erase a fifteen point deficit is to go on a sixteen and zero run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll do it. <laughs> it's um, it, it is pretty insane how quickly it happened too. I mean, to me, that was the most surprising, um part of it because I'm sitting there at the seven minute marks thinking this game is, is over and literally three minutes game time later. And you know, it's the Dukes are, are in the lead. You know, it's, I don't know if I've ever seen a game turn around on a dime like that before. I'm sure I have, but you know, that, that game that I saw didn't happen this afternoon. So uh, there's a there's a level of immediacy bias immediacy bias uh, that I that I've got going on right now, but um, you know it's pretty um, it, it was a pretty amazing game. I mean, there's really we already talked about it. And we can you know obviously talk about it more, but um, you know yeah, I mean I, just I'm blown away, blown away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think just to kind of frame it, you know, we've. Following the Dukes for as long as we have, um, you, you just you just kind of get used to okay, when's the shoe gonna drop? 
You know, mm-hmm. right or wrong, when's the shoe going to drop? And we talked about this when the Dukes were successful under Coach Everhart as well. Something's going to go wrong. When's this going to happen? Or, okay, they're down like this and the Dukes, you know, haven't come back from those things before, so they're probably not going to this time, and so whatever. We're just kind of used to feeling defeated. And I think it comes from, uh, you know, if you follow the Pirates as well, there's a, there's a lot of that. Even those three years where they were doing very, very well, it was like, well, you know, it's, something's going to fall off because it always has. Um, and I, oh, sorry. And I, I thought the shoe dropping today was when they cut it to six and then Longwood extended it right back out to 15 again. Yes. Um, you know, I, I was like, uh, well, there was their run. You know, they came up short. Good game, everybody. Um, you know, let's let's try to make this let's clean this up a little bit, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, and, and make it look less embarrassing. But I did not expect them to, to come back at that point. I really didn't. I think it's something that we're going to have to adjust to now that we have a coach again who's going to help us learn and grow and win and, and win sustainably is what we hope. You know, he said last year, I only want to fix this once uh, in reference to the transfers and some of the way uh, he had done recruiting and the other strategy that he had. I only want to fix this once. Uh, we have to just kind of get used to the fact that, you know, this is a team that believes in themselves. This is a team that has some fight. And Coach Danbrot's going to be a guy who's going to bring that back to the program as a whole. And so uh, let's not, like, switch the game off because, uh, crap. You know, let's let's not uh, leave the Palumbo a little early when, because, ah, uh, crap. I mean, there are a lot of people who left. Uh, my, dad, my dad among them. <laughs> there were a mm-hmm. lot of people who left and said, eh, that stunk. And uh, they missed a pretty amazing thing yeah i i i can only imagine unfortunately i wasn't able to make today's game but yeah you know but either way that I seems like I, a beautiful way I, to end this so yeah i would have wanted to leave i i mean i almost I've shut the there. game off at seven minutes yeah. left there i really go. did there you go well thank you all for listening We know that there are so many ways you can spend your time. We appreciate that you spend some of it with us. We will see you again in one week's time. And until then, let's go Dukes.